Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Today on Lowell's, we talk about managing our best ball portfolios. If you guys are like me, we have entered about the uh, the halfway point of, of loading up on our Best Ball Mania 3 drafts, on all of our drafts in these big contests. And now it's kind of time to pull back, look at what we've done, and think about ways we can use what we've already done to inform how we draft the rest of the draft season. Let's do it. I, does he think... I it's think he thinks goat. this. He thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. <laughs> Type in one for yes, two for no. And let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bust. <laughs> Please don't do bust. The big tweet. Around the water cooler today, Brian, we are 50 days away from the NFL season kicking off. Can you believe that? That's pretty crazy. I, I saw you drafted 82 BBM3 so far, and I was going to call you a sicko, but only 50 days left. <laughs> I know. Really bad. It is it, and I've I've been I've kind of settled in. When they had the puppy tournaments, uh, I took a break and was you know just throwing a bunch of those five dollar ones in. Um, but now I just kind of have my routine. I do one a night, um, you know, try to do a late night draft, and then you know whatever ones we draft on stream. And then my mm-hmm. thought is like, hopefully, when we get close to the season, I can maybe multi table. Uh, a couple, you know, those last maybe 15 to 20 I haven't got to, like right as the contest is about to fill, basically. I think I'm going to jam closer to just multi-table, like whatever I can handle, which might not be many, but I'm just going to try to jam all of them. And I saw they're, they're, they dropped a 250K puppy or something, or they're planning on dropping a yeah. 250K puppy, right? <sighs> probably do that one too i don't know that's a lot of it's like playing poker you know like you gotta spend hours it is but that that's the whole reason we we have the brick uh sports hud to hopefully make this easier and not only draft optimally but to be able to reasonably do it because i've i've found you know i can i can do two like even without any tools i can do two reasonably and feel like i'm building good lineups but it for the people who are wanting to max these contests and i kind of i kind of push back uh at a little argument with spags about this on splash play about and i'm curious how you think about it like relative to kind of dfs 150 maxing um like I, I was saying to Spags, I don't think it's bad. Like if you're not going to put 150 into the puppy, that doesn't mean you can't put 20 entries in. Like, what do you think the differences are from like an EV standpoint of maxing a DFS contest versus a best ball contest is? I, I mean, it's all depends on if you have an edge or not. Right. So like if you do have an edge and your bankroll can handle it, you should 150 both of them. But mm-hmm. if you not sure, uh, then definitely – you know, unless you have an unlimited bankroll, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, max them at all. If, if at all, if, if even play it, you know, like um, nerdy said this on our, I think it was our podcast where he's, he's like, I don't want the opponents to be like slight losers or like beating the rake or close to it. 
Like because you it's you can't be it's tough to beat those guys. They they actually cost you money. So like if you're one of those guys, like you might still be losing uh to the rake. And then if you're 150, you're just you're just burning money. Unless you're you know, unless you're doing this for entertainment, which yeah, uh, basically that's what I am. Because I I tried to do one on a couple on the phone recently. And I, I'm like, uh, this is, I can't remember what, what were the rankings for this guy? And, and if you switch between like different sites, yeah. uh, I can't remember what was Drake London. Was he, what's his ADP on underdog? If I'm doing whatever DraftKings yeah. or drafters, um, and I can't remember which, which guys are which yet, um, uh, rankings wise. So actually I put that into the, uh, HUD today, the, uh, underdog rankings is automated now. Oh, um, nice! And uh, but it's not it's not labeled properly. <laughs> properly, I just wanted it in there for myself. I switched yeah. out the positional ADP. I don't know if, how long it takes to populate because I just did it. But so if I have I have some drafters slow slow drafts going. Yeah, and um, I also put your exposures in there too, Pete. <laughs> As a drop down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it'll. I don't know how quick the guy has the API populating, but yeah. Yeah, it's funny. And I, I definitely want to look at some of that today. I do think mine are pretty, I mean, I will say like, I don't, I'm not worried about leading anyone crazy astray because my exposures are, you know, based on a lot of people I listen to who are maxing, I think I probably have less big stands than them. Like my player takes are, or my exposure are really smoothed out. I think I'm at what, 21.8% is my hot, my top. So even when I'm like double the field on you know basically like 10 or 11 players and then after that i'm pretty much within a tight band so i i, I don't feel like i'm gonna screw someone with like a 60 percent if they're like oh i want to tail Pete on this crazy take or whatever yeah the um yeah i, I could take it down too if you want I just no want i don't care it doesn't bother me show. especially now with the hud like i get yeah. called out now on my exposures every time i stream because they're like oh right. pete zero percent david montgomery oh pete i thought right. you had more travis etn it is kind of like it's all out there anyways who cares that, you know our last episode i think was was whistles right and that yeah. actually might not be that bad of an idea for crowdsourcing is mm. you take the top dfs players Ooh. exposures and then you should probably be getting it close to there. Mm -hmm. I bet Davis, Davis is giving me his CSV. Maybe I'll combine, I'll ask him, combine your guys' exposures and like that'll be like a target. Yeah. For people to use because, okay, we need it's 16, anything over or under 16, right? Eight. Percent, 16.7% or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Anything, well, eight, eight, and it's a little over 8% would be even with the field, right? One out of 12. Is it eight? I had to, do I have it double? Yeah, I think you have it doubled. Yeah. Okay. For for guys who are going to be drafted 100% of the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, anything over 8%, you're heavy on. And so I saw you have uh, uh, Fred. Uh, uh, Fred Fred uh, <laughs> I was going to say Fred Taylor. It's like it's not 2002 anymore, Brian. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Um, yes. 7%. Uh, so you're actually yeah. – you're just slightly – you're over uh, – with your influence benefit there. So, well, and the funny thing is too, is, you know, this is what happened with my influencer one ones You know, I, I do think I prefer Christian McCaffrey to him, you know, post Baker news. I prefer even Cooper cup to him. And so when I was getting those one-on-ones early, I was already kind of balancing um, a little bit there and not grabbing him every time. I think had I known that I was going to get so many one-on-ones, I maybe would have sprinkled a little bit more in because you can see I have, you know, 15%, um, Cooper Cup. And so he was kind of the guy that in those early um picks that I've kind of taken a slightly bigger stand on, but still nothing crazy uh relative to what the field has. What is your McCaffrey? And I'm not seeing it here. Ooh, yeah. My McCaffrey so nine percent. Yeah. And I can let me pull this up here and we can uh we can look through some of uh these here. Uh, but yeah. My running back stuff here, yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, who are who are the other top guys? I'm I'm definitely going to be. So yeah, McCaffrey nine percent, Taylor you just said seven percent, and then I'm going to be really light on a lot of the other mid guys like Dalvin Cook, four percent. Yeah, uh, Harris I'm going to be really low, almost four percent. Henry, four percent. 
so yeah, I, I've definitely, and you can then see Diggs as a guy I've made a bigger stand on in that first round. And again, this is still like, <laughs> it's not that big of a stand, but I guess it, yeah. it is kind of meaningfully different as far as like how I'm, I'm viewing this first round. It seems like to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you are consciously more getting more diversified this year than last year and like making, making uh, tiebreaker decisions based on your exposure that. Yeah. I mean, I last year ended up settling with a pretty smoothed out exposures too. I think Rondell Moore ended up being like my highest at around 27 or 28%. Um, I didn't have anything too crazy, but one thing I was thinking about too is outside of like, if you have a 17th or 18th round pick a ton of, like you just think he's grossly mispriced. I, I kind of get that being super overweight, but I do think if you're like really, really overweight, a certain player that let's just say is in the first 10 rounds, I do think it probably means that you're building like with the same construction over and over. Like if I was doing a zero RB draft every single time and then just ending up with like Elijah Mitchell over and mm -hmm. over and it's Elijah Mitchell in the same builds, he's my first running back. Like that's where I think I've gotten better this year is because I'm mixing in so many of those three strategies, zero RB, hyper fragile and anchor. I'm finding myself in different pockets of the draft where certain players just don't make sense for those builds. And it's almost impossible for me to get massively overweight when I'm interchangeably working through different structures. Hmm. I was thinking about, about this idea. What do you think about this? So like a GTO best ball strategy. Um, and I've thought about this for about eight seconds. So hmm. don't tear me apart would be um, whatever. Let's just say it's 8% is the, is your, is your average over under. Yeah. Would would be try to get everyone at exactly 8% basically and everything else is just stacking and and uh, you know playing playing the the playoff games properly. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. like you just don't don't even care um you know within their ADP. Right. But it should work itself out because other guys are drafting in front of you or behind you where you just you're just you're over or under on nobody and i realize probably at the the end of the draft there might be guys who are like the flavor of the month at the end of the draft and maybe then right. they don't get drafted or they got hurt or something like that and you'll have like one or two percent sprinkled in i'm talking like the guys who are all going to get drafted yeah just don't even care about what the rankings are on all these sites and anything like that you just play uh every percentage around percent and everything else is just structure right and i think i did um you know one of the drafts i did it just for vips on the channel so i could actually like talk through strategy without yeah. worrying about getting sniped and i did a thing where I, I called it like the god take the wheel where the first three rounds i literally just let it draft off the adp just knowing like I'm not, it's not going to box me into any bad structures. Like I can make it work with any of mm -hmm. those selections. It gets a little dicier when you get in the fourth round. Cause then it's like, am I going to get, you know, a quarterback and, and whatever, like then it kind of gets, but I do really think that, and it's tough, right? Because I do have my opinions on, Hey, I prefer digs over those running backs in the back end of the first round, but I am like showing some humility there. I'm not just full fading Harris and Henry. I have 5% of those guys, yeah. but I do think, I agree with you. I really think that you could draft off of ADP for your first three to four rounds and then allow structure and correlation in your yeah. portfolio, dictate the rest of it. And you would probably be drafting as close to optimally as we can. Yeah. And I'm not, well, and you might not do just ADP Pete, because let's say you have 20%. Right. Um, Jonathan Taylor, because you're an influencer and you're getting one, one, one dot ones all day. You're going to want to take some Cooper cup or something like that to bring your, your numbers down or whatever. For some reason, maybe like a lot of the time Josh Allen was getting picked early before you could get them in, a, in, in all your drafts for some reason. Well, you might have to force it a little bit to get to that because here's, here's kind of the idea there too, is anything you're drafting over 8% or under 8%, you're playing exploitively. You think you know more than, than the field. Yep. which maybe you do, or maybe you trust the sources you get. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just right. like trying to think of like the basic difference between exploitive and GTO and like a best ball format. As much as you can do, it's way different than DFS, right? Because we have to hand build all this stuff. So like, yeah. but anytime you're you're over that number, you're you think you know more than everyone else. Yeah. 
in in the way I think about it too, and I trust me, like I I love um what data we have from these past two years and looking at advance rate and win rate data. I think it really like points us in the right directions. But like the way I think about these different structures is like I like elite tight ends. I I try to get those guys at value when I can, but like an elite tight end season is going to be reliant on a couple of these tight ends having elite seasons. We've seen Travis Kelsey really skew the elite tight end data in the previous years. And that data is like super fragile to just a couple of players having awful or incredible seasons. And so I have been forcing myself and like taking in new information, like the Osmo article about the value of three quarterbacks that really opened me up to not push the two the elite qbs quite as much knowing i might even get an added uniqueness benefit with three qb builds and so i want to find myself in these different pockets of builds knowing hey maybe it's a not an elite qb year maybe these guys just don't separate quite as much and these three you know cheap ones harness or maybe it's a late tight end build or maybe you know i just want to draft smart within structure and know that i'm going to have these clusters of drafts that are within those structures that could harness whatever happens within the chaos of the season I, I think that's that's fine with us with a sprinkling of um, exploitive play. Yeah. I, I I really don't think it's a problem. I'm just saying though, if you really wanted to, I think you'd adhere to that. The um, are we right? Are we sure it's eight percent or whatever that number is? Just yeah, it's like um, eight point three percent. One out of eight point three percent. Yeah, you know, you you have 150 entries, not 150 thousand, so it's tough to get right. those numbers exact. But you you see what I'm saying is. And uh, we have some questions on PGA and NBA. We could do yeah. that at the end, but um, no, go for it. Well, uh, so yeah, it does work for the NBA. I don't have any good NBA best ball sources yet. So, like, if anyone has any, send me the hyperlink. Um, PGA, there's a couple things. One, did you see I took fourth in the Millie Pete last week? No, I didn't. What oh, this close? Did you have a fun sweat or a brutal sweat? Uh, I didn't watch. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, one birdie away. It's too bad. Oh, First place is one, one, one point, one million, 25 K plus a tournament. Fourth place, 50 K. <laughs> What's so brutal is you finally would have earned your spot on this show because I know I don't even deserve to be here. <laughs> oh man, that is brutal. Yeah. But, um, whatever it's, a, it was a good week still, but, um, uh, I, we're, we are talking with fantasy golf, the fantasy golf bag guys, um, drew and who else? I know he's got, um, Jason Rosslin on the team now, I think. And, uh, he is probably going to provide us with, with, uh, free projections for the HUD. So any, the best ball drafts, you'll be able to just select their data and use it courtesy of them. So he hasn't said he's, he's got, he's an actual golfer. So he's in a tournament this week. So I don't know if we'll have it this week, but uh, uh, hopefully next week, or if uh, he gets it to me before I have too much stuff to do today, we'll get that up there. So that's awesome. uh, That's the plan with PGA NBA. I mean, it works on all of them. You could put your own stuff in there. And you know I'm probably going to do a PGA one today with uh, just like the win win odds and put it in a Discord because um, there is it's two K two K to first tomorrow. They're uh, they're best ball for the um, the three M. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, well, it works on it. And I was just going to say too, because I had gotten a question from someone in the DMs asking about, he was like, could you put in ADP differential? And I guess the one thing that maybe people um, have questions about is like, you can put in whatever information you want. I think sometimes people are maybe asking it, what are the automated options available there? But like, if you wanted to do ADP differential, you put in your July ADP, you do your index max or whatever, have a column that shows the difference. You get a plus minus number, and then you have a column in your CSV upload. You name the header ADP differential, and now one of your display features is the difference in ADP from July to August. So like any of that you can manually do. The question is just yeah. what automated stuff Brian's able to, to pull in there. Right, yeah, and um, we're gonna look for that that uh, differential, anyways. That seems like an interesting thing people might want, like yeah, what's what's happened over the last month, 
in terms of ADP. So we might get that one in there anyways. But yeah, like Pete said, you put any number or characters in there. So like if you want to just put a note on a guy, like do not draft or, or a reminder that you're trying to get some uh, exposure to like balance your portfolio a little bit, you could put that in there too. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And this is like, I mean, we showed this, uh, you know, last week, this is what I have in mind right now. Column one, NFL week 16, column two, week 17, then column three is actually pulling um, from, how does that one work again, Brian, where, where it says, you go, the blank, it's, yeah, hit that column three and UCSV. Yeah. UCSV. If you, any, any UCSV works on any of those columns. So whatever gotcha. you have in column value one, value two or value three, if you put USCSV in those columns, that'll be what populates whatever you okay. put in there. And then everything okay. else is is API automated. So like right. that week 17 is just pulling from my API I have on my website. Um, and if you do count through right now, Pete, it'll actually show uh, your exposures is actually your exposures it won't up it won't show in this in this this portion this is what you see cfb you uploaded but it will show there and i updated uh the rankings and ranking differential everything i just updated five minutes ago so it's all it's all fresh um i do use the ranking differentials so uh for tiebreakers because i'm not i'm not i'm not sure who's who's hot and who's not yeah so yeah. And I mean, we are now, I, I would call this the, uh, I saw some people asking about the, uh, the barbell when, you know, for people who are holding off on when to start drafting again, I mean, we, we are in the ultimate holding pattern right now. I mean, I've been writing the newsletter every day. I normally am looking for news, seeing if there's any interesting nuggets and it is, it is barren out there. We're talking about Madden ratings these days. So, I mean, <laughs> we, we're, we're going to be getting, um, more information here as, as training camp comes and, uh, I do think if you are barbelling, definitely sitting on your hands here. And um, Brian did mention the um, underdog is going to have that million dollar prize pool puppy contest, puppy three, I believe they said August 1st. So I don't know if you're a barbell, bro, you probably sit on your hands rest of July, fire a bunch at the puppy while that unique draft window is open. And then, uh, and it, it'll probably be open for a little longer, just because it's going to be such a massive tournament. And then what come mid August, you probably start picking up in finishing yeah. your drafts would be my guess. It's kind of hard to get 150 in though. You kind of have to just, at least for me, like when I have time, I try to put some in. So like, if you want 150, you might want to, uh, you might want to skip the barbell and just try to do it when you can. That's what right. I do. What do you think yeah. about, what do you think about this idea back to like portfolio ideas? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we could find this data. But like late round guys who aren't going to be owned eight percent of the time. So like last yes. year, like CPAT, right? Um, maybe Sony Michelle. I can't remember some of the guys who who were like basically undrafted. Um, because like, doesn't it seem like the anyways? The idea being, I don't know. Jared Goff is going to be probably taken almost every time. Somebody like that. Yeah. But instead of him, you could take. You know, obviously, quarterback's not a good example, but maybe like the who's the Atlanta rookie QB? Uh, yeah, Ritter, who's Ritter, drafted some, maybe like that twenty percent of the time, twenty five percent of the time. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, yeah, some stuff like that can actually probably differentiate you. And I was thinking back to your question with with Spags about how many entries you should play. I mean, I think it's just as simple as is uh, your edge. But in DFS, I always say, play like two entries or four entries, something like that. Make each one different. Don't make, don't make, if you got six golfers, you know, six golfers, don't make five golfers on one and five on same five on the other. And just one player difference, like probably do a whole six or something close to it and make sure if it's like a dupey sport that you're a really good shot of getting low dupes. Um, and, and not just total chunk, uh, chalk, chalk on on either of them. Yeah. And so just do like two, four, maybe twenty if you if you know if you just want a real sweat. If you don't know if you're you have an edge or something, that's how I would play in DFS and best ball. You can, it's like tough to say, but but also you can't really screw it up that badly if you're paying attention to your draft and following ADP. Right. 
Well, and to your point, like I, I really agree. I do think that's one of the biggest edges and I still have to force myself um, to do this better, but basically like ignoring the ADP ranges from like round 16 through 18, where it's like those guys have this ADP where they're being taken, you know, 75 to hundred percent of the time. And yet they're a very similar probability bet to hit. Then let's call them rounds 19 to 21 the next three rounds after them that are being taken far less frequently. Like if I were to pitch show Brian, these numbers in like a DFS context and be like, all right, here's two, three K wide receivers on this DraftKings slate. One's going to be 75% owned and one's yeah. going to be 10% owned. You would laugh at me for even bringing you the 75% one, knowing right. the probability of what their salary says they're, they're normally going to do. Definitely. Yeah. S- single entry. Nick, Pete, what do you have any the, the, it's it's real tough with a snake draft. Mm-hmm. You're kind of just you're kind of just stuck with what what comes your way and then structure. And and the larger the field, I, I would say the more structure and correlation you want. I yeah, my my thought on it too would honestly be um assuming you're drafting a big portfolio of teams and this is just one of the contests you're playing would be to draft it like you would every other team try to get as much adp value as you can and i guess the only tweaks would be looking at the tournament structures in the size like we're doing one of the underdog um big dog or bulldog drafts right now and that has a much much different advanced structure there's some six-man groups that you're having to beat versus you know 16-man groups which is like a pretty big difference um and as the gauntlet progressive too, and then the final is much, much smaller than the 470. So I think some of those considerations should be in play, but for like a bigger tournament, I, I really don't see many tweaks you're actually making. Yeah. I just, it's, it's hard. Like when you're in, when you're in there drafting and like, okay, I want to double stack three guys from two different QBs. And it's like, well, then someone snipes you and you're like, well, that plan's over. Like uh, what's the got to pivot. You know, it's a lot harder with D- DFS. You can, you can just pick and choose, and there's nothing your opponents can do about it because you can enter whatever you want within the salary structure. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure there's there'd be. I mean, I guess yeah, uh, the amount of opponents I think does, definitely matters in relation to spending up, like taking a guy early based on ADP to force that correlation. If you're like if you're in a home league and you only got 12 guys in your league or something like that, you do not, you don't have to go crazy with, with triple stacks. You know what I mean? You might yeah. actually want to, um, because you, you might be forcing too much correlation and guys are all on a buy in one week. And then you lose like a week and then like a 12 man home league, you can't do that. Where in this DFS, we're trying to shoot for the moon, right? Like just hit the nuts, not DFS. I'm sorry. Best ball mania. Yeah. It, I also think it, this kind of goes back to the ownership thing too, because I, I think back to, you know, looking at teams that I would see in the Thunderdome contest, you know, those 35 person. And one thing I noticed is, well, those onslaughts have had success in those tournaments, but I've also noticed sometimes there you're running into a lot of ownership with those onslaughts. I remember a couple of the big bucks weeks and everyone had the Brady, the Fournette, the Godwin and the Gronk. And it's like, okay, you're doing an onslaught, but like the whole field is doing that too. And I think that's something to probably consider a little bit with, as we talk about some of these week 17 correlations and the games, people really want to stack of like, I think if you're onslaughting the commanders or the Browns or the Texans or these teams that aren't as sexy, you know, maybe I'm a little more willing to do that. One, they're cheaper. Two, they're less popular versus running into onslaughts that everyone else also wants to have. Sure. I'll tell you what DFS says, the the Sims say, yeah. is the smaller the tournament, the closer to just playing the best plays you get. To a cash game lineup, basically. Yeah, basically. Less correlation, less less risky plays. You don't need that one percenter like in a Millie Maker the smaller and smaller you get, it's 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 pretty much that fundament, fundamental. So I imagine that would carry over. Now, football's a little different because of the correlation. 
So like an onslaught can make sense if you, but um, I think in terms, uh, I would say it would probably be in terms of what are you giving up an ADP to get your onslaught? If it's just hitting you right in the face, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But if you're, if you're, you know, dropping 15, 20 round, uh, 20 spots or whatever to keep getting these subpar ADP wise. And um, I guess that would depend too, because what's the ADP in each of those, each of those, the, in, you know, it's different ADP in right. the different entries too. So, and it is harder to think like I'm thinking of going again, kind of using the Thunderdome analogy where it's like, it's easier to project what your opponents are going to do ownership wise. A lot of guys roll out, you know, versions of their cash game lineup in that it's a little harder in best ball to think through, you know, what you're showing up with and just the way the kind of natural selection works with the teams that advance. And that's why I do think, you know, pulling some of those uniqueness levers that we can um, at the beginning and end of drafts is like one of the few ways to ensure, Hey, if we show up at the finals, we're not going to have very similar teams to, to our opponents. Yeah. The, going back to that, if you could find the, the, the guys at the end of the draft who yeah. are not getting taken, but have a shot of, you know, filling in or something like that, that that's a pretty big, big edge when you have, when you have like, you know, two of the C pats in the finals of the six guys who had them or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, I think those didn't win anyways, but or maybe, maybe they didn't. He didn't, I don't, I don't think he had a good game though. in that last week, I can't remember so long ago. Yeah. Um, but the, I think the idea, what we originally started is port portfolio management. Yes. And I definitely th think there is some like, um, DFS slash investing strategies that you could do in best ball, um, that make a ton of sense. So the, and the main thing is similar to the strategy I suggest for people who are, you know, whatever, um, uh, not professionals or maybe they don't know if they're good or not yet, is when you enter a, a DFS lineup, your second one shouldn't really be that close to the first one, you know, in a vacuum, all else being equal. So you don't you don't want to drop like let's let's say fantasy points is your barometer. You don't want to drop like half, you know, 50 point fantasy points just to get different, right? But usually you can get a, like a very similar expectation with five or six different guys, depending on the sport. And so in best ball, I think you want to do, you want to do that with your, port, with your portfolio. So like the easiest one, and then, so you want to be different. Yep. But the main important thing is, you want to be different when um, uh, with with the with the pieces in your portfolio. So, like when one guy does bad, the other guy will do good. So, the obvious uh, best ball in, uh, examples would be handcuffs. So, right. if you have, let's let's I can pull up mine here. Maybe we can use okay. mine because uh, this is an exercise I've been thinking about and something I want to do here as I you know pass the halfway point. Um, I mean, like you said, like Alexander Madison might be a good example here. He's someone I'm double the field on and I'm, uh, pretty much 50% under the field on yeah. Dalvin cook. That's a perfect example. So you, you probably should force some more cook actually. Mm -hmm. Um, because you do have so much Madison at this point, but usually you would want this in reverse. So let's say you had 17% cook and very right. little Madison, you should start probably start taking you know a little extra adp on madison because when cook does poorly madison does well so like assuming let's let's just say they're both were projected to win uh 55 dollars <laughs> i mean that would be you'd be a you'd have a huge edge if that was true but let, let's just yeah. say that line they're both lineups are projected to win 55 dollars over time mm -hmm. then you want this kind of um balancing act going on in your portfolio all the way throughout it if you can figure out how of when this lineup does bad, then this lineup's going to do better because it lowers your variance while with, without um, risking any ROI. Yeah. And that's like, that's another, I guess maybe one that's more in line kind of with what the example you're hinting at. So Brees Hall, you know, I'm double the field and I did just filter back to best ball mania. I had it on my entire uh, best ball portfolio there for a sec. So 17% Brees Hall, Michael Carter, 
That's what um, I was say, I'm, yeah. I'm even on the field on Michael Carter, but like you were saying, the scenarios where I think Brees Hall really fails, it's probably because Michael Carter holds him off a, a good bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, and, and also too, there's, you're not going to get, you know, Madison cook almost one-to-one correlations. Like, no. like it's like his seemed to be the last couple of years with those yeah. two, but it's still every little bit helps. And especially we're looking for essentially tiebreakers and all this stuff. Um, uh, or, or just structure decisions. So like if you can find guys and we, who did we, we, I asked you about tight ends, Pete. Um, but it sounds like there are no, no handcuff tight ends for, for the studs. Yeah, it's, it's tougher for the studs. I was, I was mentioning, you know, some of the rookies that are pretty interesting. Greg Dolchich getting a lot of hype behind Akui Boonham, um, yeah. Trey McBride getting some hype, but yeah, I mean the Kittle, um, and Waller and Kelsey stuff. It's like, it's hard to see a guy, I guess one that could be interesting. Like I have a lot of Gerald Everett, like Donald Parham is still a guy that people have yeah. been excited about. So, but, but flesh out your thought on kind of like a handcuff tight end. And those guys are not getting selected at all. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense for you for Everett, for sure. And Alberto that you should probably be sprinkling in, uh, those two backups when you yeah. can. You know, all else being equal, obviously, we're not going crazy here. Just like in DFS, we're not taking 10.01% own guys, and we're not just taking guys 50, 50 spots ahead of their ADP. Um, I would, like, sprinkle that in. And then you could see you have this, you know, overall balanced portfolio of just, you know, hopefully when this goes bad, this one does good. And your ROI is basically about the same, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if we're trying to be more GTO here and just – stick more closer to ADP, stick closer to that 8.3% level. Um, then these type of things with structure and uh, with your structure, perfect, you know, like you, you're, you're constantly thinking about structure. So I'm sure it's good like that. That's about well, what I love about that too, is you can almost compound the benefits like you were saying, because obviously teams where I draft George Kittle, I'm like 99.9%, probably a hundred percent only taking two tight ends with that. But with where I'm taking a backup tight end, or let's just use even the Alberta Kuibuna, you know, the drafts where I'm taking him, he's probably my tight end too with a, with another guy. So if I'm taking Greg Dolchich or this flyer tight end, that's going to be in a three tight end build because I'm probably yeah. not doing a fringe tight end as my second. And so now not only am I leveraging my current player, but I'm doing it smartly within a different structure. Yeah, it's exactly. as I was just going to say, like when you're doing your three, your three, your weaker three tight end build, cause you need a third tight end. It makes all sense in the world to then balance out your portfolio. Um, uh, isn't Noah fan? No, no, not him. Um, I'm trying to think of other, other backups. Like, yeah, he, like these guys like Kittle and Waller, and I just don't know enough about the death charts. But if you the, can the, figure out. Yeah, the chat is right that uh, with Foster Moreau of all the yeah. kind of elite tight ends, he's probably the most interesting backup tight end here. So, yeah, 12.2%. Yeah, he Waller. shit the bet on DFS last year. <laughs> yeah. And every time and he Foster, was talking. Exactly. So yeah, that's probably a really good one. If you're, you're heavy waller, yeah. you know, tacking. And again, I like these, you know, decision trees, right. Where it's like, mm-hmm. what funnels me to a foster Moreau selection? And it, it can be a cut. Co- okay. All right. My portfolio, I have a lot of waller. Um, okay. This build, I'm going to need three tight ends and Oh, on top of it, here I am with a San Francisco Trey Lance stack and I'm getting a little week 17 correlation with Foster Moreau coming back. It's like you stack these things that funnel you to, I think, really good selections. Like you don't just have to be like, all right, this next draft, I'm taking Foster Moreau with my 18th route pick. Yeah. It's like, let the structure and what's already happened kind of point you in that direction. Definitely. And, you know, I think like we do not have as much as edge as we think we do here. There's a lot of good ranking systems out there and information, football, tons of people love football. So there's tons of information. So, like if you do play more GTO style, this like makes a ton of sense, especially when you're getting Pete's not out of, out of hand here, right? Your highest own is like 22%. And um, so you're not insane. But last year I remember, I remember like uh, Davis had like 48% or 50% of like Miko yeah. Harbor or something. I can't remember who he had, but <laughs> yeah. he gets on, he gets on these guys who, who he loves and then just hammers them. And like, you really want to 
balance that out. Like, so like, I mean, it's tough. It, wide receivers is a little different. It makes a lot more sense with running backs and tight ends. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't know if that could happen to like inner, you know, if you, you just kind of got to take that idea and run with it. Maybe there's some like inner team, like teams against other teams that make sense when one team will do bad, this other one will do better. I don't really think there is, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you could kind of take that idea and run with it, but it's, sh- you should be able to uh, balance out your portfolio kind of with just that one tip or unless you, you're like, no, I'm playing exploitive. AJ Brown is underrated, underrated. I, I'm, I'm, I'm super high on him. Then you go over the 8.3%. Yeah, and I actually wanted to bring that up with some of these wide receivers and how I think through them. I think what you were describing, like with a guy like KJ Hamler, this is kind of an easy one for me to think through because um, I do think Hamler, obviously based on my exposure here, is is a really nice pick. But I also know I should probably mix in more Tim Patrick because if KJ Hamler never sees the field, it probably means Tim Patrick is having a pretty big year as the other Broncos wide receiver fight. And I only have 1.2% there. So that's like a key one of where I think I can balance it out. I do think it's a little harder with AJ Brown, Debo and T Higgins. And these are guys that I think are really mispriced. I think they should be going ahead of or near CeeDee Lamb at the beginning of round two. And so these are guys I'm just kind of like hammering end of round two in Debo's case, beginning of round three sometimes with A.J. Brown and Higgins. And so how do you think about that? Like if I just think these guys are mispriced relative to some of the other players, it's a little harder to like leverage these, I think. But but you're playing exploitive at that point. So it's fine. You're, you're, it's just, there's just so much value, um, you know, by picking it, you know, in your opinion, obviously that doing this portfolio uh, rebalancing is, you know, not the most important thing because you're going to get more ROI because the field is so far off. I would more like look at your like Godwin ownership and then, okay, I, I don't know all the stuff's going on, but I'm pretty sure he's hurting, right? Possibly can miss a bunch of weeks. And so wouldn't that mean gauge is going to get a lot? A playing right. time. So yeah. what's your gauge? What's your gauge on? My sure? gauge is going to be low, three point. Okay, yeah. There, so that seems like a no brainer to me to get that mm-hmm. a little closer to eight point three. Um, and it doesn't have, and, and you can also like like Tim Patrick. You don't need to go to eight point three for him. You know, maybe five or four or something like that. Yeah. Um, just bring it up and to to balance it out a little bit more. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, there are other dynamics at play here, of course, with kind of the way the news cycle and the draft rooms are reacting, you know, where it can be, you know, the Gage example is a good one. Like, obviously, I like Godwin more than Gage. I'm willing to bet on the late season production more. Um, I probably should have been getting ahead of the Gage um, stuff early because I do think depending on the reports, like gauge is probably going to get more expensive and that's already a player. I wasn't really drafting that much at ADP and it means I'm far less likely to draft him when he gets more expensive. So there are pricing concerns sometimes, whereas like Tim Patrick, I don't think his ADP is going to move that much relative to where he's been. And that'll be an easy one for me to kind of go out of my way to even that out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would still take him. like, I'm not paying attention like you are. So Like I would just go, okay, here's this guy. I need to bump this up. I need to change this. I need to change that. And I would just take him like, okay, whatever. It's he's, he's probably too expensive, but I don't care. Right. And I'm going to try to be sticking around that 8% level anyways, on most of my guys, um, if I can even get 150 in, but um, yeah, I, 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 I think for me, the GTO strategy makes a lot more sense though, because I'm not paying as much attention and doing a show every day like you are. And, hundreds of drafts and stuff like that. So yeah, for you makes sense for, for me, I, th- I would say for a lot of people, probably I would try this balancing strategy. Um, after your what fifth draft, 10th draft, you got to start going in and then looking at your exposures. Um, and I mean, I can't remember them. So I put them on our overlay, but like, uh, uh, yeah. if you can remember them, you don't even have to do that. But you definitely need – and, like, you you don't want to – I mean, I don't think you really want to be going so high on uh, any one, you know, mid or early player um, unless you are, you know, Levitan and Silva or whoever else is spending their life 
or Pete even like just figuring this out. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think the thing, um, you know, one thing that um, I remember hearing Justin Herzig say that I thought uh, or resonated and stuck with me was he was saying like, when I'm like over double the field on a player, like, you know, over 18%, he's like, I start to go ask around. I start to go ask other players I respect. I'll ask Silva Levitad, you know, what do they think of this guy, this outlook? Why, it, why am I so much different than the market on that? And I do think that's just like a good check in general. And same with me, just like putting it out there. I'm like, okay, I think AJ Brown, Debo, and T Higgins are mispriced. Yeah. What, how and where could I be wrong? on on that take and so i do think it's just like a good exercise in general now if you're at the point where i am where you have 50 percent of your best ball mania completed to kind of self-interrogate a little bit and you like brian said you could continue to push it exploitatively if you, you think you got an edge there or you can start to think of ways of how can i leverage this and i don't think some people might say oh you're getting scared with your take or you're hedging or whatever but it's like if you're building within smart structures and still drafting adp wise like i don't think you're sacrificing anything you were capitalizing on something in a very specific window of drafting and now you have new information that informs what you're doing going forward yeah that stuff's ridiculous to me like um yeah i mean the the there's a lot of information in the adp a lot a lot of information so like trying to stay close to that eight percent number i don't think is is wrong either way and so like if you do have like 40 30 40 percent of somebody and saying don't hedge on that it's just bad strategy like they're really if you just did adp drafting and somehow could have structure work its way out for you like every one of your drafts would have the same ev basically at least that's how i think of it it's like mm -hmm. unless you're an expert a you know petty theft type of guy who's knows all the angles and can get an edge on the field from from paying attention. Um, you're just using that ADP and filling out your structure. Pretty much every lineup should have pretty close to the same EV, especially at this time of the year when we don't know as much as we will a week before the season. So if yeah. that if that's the case, you you definitely want to put the pedal on the gas on structure and portfolio rebalancing. This is a this is a good question and thought experiment, and I've thought about this a little bit, and it definitely pertains to portfolio and exposure management. But Matt says, if you could automatically get Christian McCaffrey, you know, the undisputed 101 or 102, as your second-round pick on 100% of your BBM3 teams, there's a, you know, a, a patch or a, a leak in the underdog ADP that gives you the influencer CMC, would you take the deal? If not, how high of a round would you need to take that deal knowing – you would have a hundred percent CMC in this scenario. That's a good question. I think there's enough slots where you take it a hundred percent of the time. Cause even if he shits the bed, we still have 18 rounds in whatever 20 and in, in drafters or whatever. Yeah. So uh, my gut reaction is uh, you, you lock that shit in as fast as you can. What do you think? Pete? I do too, because yeah. we, again, we talk about, you know, known edges and, you know, edges we're chasing, whether, you know, we're being unique, like even like the example of drafting a player who we don't think is being drafted as much, like if they get steamed up a little bit and then they're getting drafted 90% of the time, like that edge that you once had of that being a unique low owned player might not exist anymore. Whereas I do think CMC, when you look at the projections, he is going to project head and shoulders ahead of any of those second round picks. And so like, that's, that's just volatility that you would have to take on in the same way in DFS, Brian, if they gave you in your 150 set an extra $4,000 of salary to roster CMC on every one of your teams or whatever the analogy needs yeah. to be like you'd lock button that extra nine K running back. Yeah. No brainer. No brainer. You know what I would do too, since this is a thought experiment, which is a best ball. No, no, I would probably do handcuffs if that was the case. If I had this one Christian McCaffrey, oh. super high injury. Deontay yeah. Foreman. It, is that a it? lot of your he, what about Chad? That was Hachuba. <laughs> it, it, it used to be, uh, but they brought in Deontay Foreman. I feel pretty uh confident that he's going to be the okay. beneficiary. Well, of, either, well, either way, I mean, you know yeah, more yeah. than I do, but I'm just saying, either way, like if I would never do that in basketball, but in this this thought experiment, I'd probably try to end up with like 10% Foreman, maybe even 2% Hubbard, just. Yeah, just to balance it out a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think that's I think it's no brainer.
and that is and that is one nice thing with if if in this thought experiment someone had said um uh Dalvin Cook, you know, Alexander Madison's a little pricier um as far as a handcuff or some someone said you could get 100 percent aaron jones in the fifth round well aj Dillon's much more expensive as like a seventh round handcuff whereas like in the cfc one uh tube is completely free and deontay foreman is basically free so that one would actually be a pretty easy one to to kind of protect yourself a bit i think yeah and let, let me let me let me just repeat myself one more time if you have the same expectation of a lineup it doesn't matter dfs best mm. ball anything but the 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 and, t- and you can pick two investments and they're completely anti-correlated right that's like the best of both worlds because you will never lose money so like like expect let's say expect to make five percent on one or the other same expectation but when one shits the bed the other one goes up right you should like best balls made for this kind of thought process right Right. Like there's so many, you could do that just like these little micro um, correlations. Pete's always obsessing about, you could do that. You could do that. You could do that with this too. while managing your uh, portfolio. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the, like the sports betting thing, right? If you can find it, um, you know, the prices offset at two different books, which essentially eliminates the hold, you, you can free roll and then you can lean into your gut, your hunch, your insider yeah. information, because all things are being equal. Definitely. We don't have that. We don't have that kind yeah. of uh, free no. roll here. Like you, we don't know, like we were just saying, we don't know who's going to come in for CMC if he gets hurt. Plus he might not get hurt. And then, you know, you are, you, but, um, but if he doesn't get hurt, those lamps are going to take off, right? Like the, yep. in theory. So, um, uh, you know, you, you got, you got, you got to do it in my opinion. I haven't really heard, actually, I heard like the opposite about like, no one cares about their portfolio and best ball and stuff like that. Like some arguments like a month ago. Um, if, uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, I'm like, you definitely need to pay attention. Definitely. Yeah. I guess I met, I missed those. Um, yeah. I do think it'll probably become a much bigger part of the conversation just as, you know, best ball is getting much bigger. There's all kinds of sites and contests and also like the specific drafting windows as well, you know, drafting in a puppy contest that's available for, you know, 10 days versus best ball mania, which is going to be open all summer. It presents a whole unique kind of approach to it in the way with best ball mania over the whole summer. I do think like portfolio is so important. And we're, we're a few weeks away. We're going to get some big bombs going off in this ADP. You know, the big one last year was Darrell Henderson vaulting up because Cam Akers got hurt. And then that is this unique dynamic where 30% of the field has drafted in one environment. And now the, the rest 70% are drafting in a new environment. And I mean, balancing your portfolio within those kind of uh, shocks and fissures or whatever, I think is pretty important. Even in that example, let's say, you were doing the barbell or something, and then you got 30% cam acres in the front end of the barbell. And then he gets blown out when you're finishing up your second end of the barbell drafting. Wouldn't you be a lot happier if in that beginning you were balancing with those two guys, assuming that was the obvious handcuff back then? Um, wouldn't you be a lot happier if you would have like lowered that 30% to let's say 20 and then bumped up your Henderson a little bit in the other drafts that you didn't have them in, obviously. And then come injury day, uh, you're sitting pretty. And the same thing yeah. that I mean, this this will happen during the regular season too. It's not just with drafts, but you you could do this throughout the 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 preseason. Yeah, and it, and it goes back to that structure thing. It's like I cost adjusted. I prefer Darrell Henderson to Cam Akers for sure. But those drafts where Cam Akers slides and I grab him in the fifth round, well, now I'm building with this modified anchor build where I'm saying, hey, Cam Akers is going to have a great season. And then in those drafts where I pass on him and I grab Darrell Henderson, it's like, well, Cam Akers flops. He's not ready to come back. And you're playing the probabilities on either side, because we know there's a wide range of outcomes of what's actually going to happen, mm-hmm. but you're harnessing it within the structure in that draft room and knowing that that team could benefit in a massive way. If the thesis for that specific draft is correct. So yeah, I, I guess I don't like, I guess it's called hedging, but it doesn't, it seems like it's more anti-fragile in a way where you're yeah. benefiting in either way. You're lowering your variance with the same outcome. It's just, you're, you'd be dumb not to do it, but but like I said, you know, with, with the expectations, we don't know what's going to happen. We're still just guessing, and these are rules of thumb. But, yeah, you're just lowering your variance 
while not uh, um, giving up any expectation because, you know, we don't know as much as we think we know. Um, it, but I mean, honestly, what you're doing, Pete, is probably the best strategy. I mean, you're, you're, you do this full time, you know, a lot more than other people. So you can balance your portfolio while also playing exploitively when it, the opportunity presents itself. Um, it's in, in, in your shot and you're constantly obsessing with structure, which you should, because that's really probably the most beneficial thing in, in, uh, best ball at this point in the season. And I will say I've had a couple drafts recently, um, where I have really pushed things as far as seeing if I could get stacks at value, really pushing extremes on like a four running back build that probably shouldn't have been four running back build knowing mm -hmm. like I might burn some of these, but I have the patience of knowing like if I do am able to get the fallers and the specific things like that, I could be sitting on some super teams. And that is the other thing. Like I'm not out here saying like I'm drafting like GTO perfect teams there. I, I burn a lot of teams, but I think I at least know the things I should be doing. So that when the stars do align, I can take advantage of it. And also that happens too. Okay. Cause I do it myself. I did, was doing a, a, whatever. I can't remember which, which league. And I forgot I was drafting. And so I'm just like auto drafting <laughs> three QBs and like back to back to back. Cause I'm not there. So like when there are donkeys and you're like me and you're in your uh, draft, you know, you know, pick up the free value that's sitting right in front of your face, obviously. And you could always balance later. Right. And uh, so like there were, there are opportunities where you're just getting some dog shit lineups, like, like last year's um, DraftKings debacle, where there's just a whole bunch of people auto drafting their free entries. Yeah. You know, like at that point, why would you balance your portfolio? Just eat up all the good lineups. Yeah. For sure. And the other thing too about it, and I've seen some comments about like, um, you know, looking back at past ADP and how bad it is. I mean, that's the same every year. Like the NFL is so chaotic, so much crazy shit happens. But I think the analogy that I was thinking of, it's like, you know, the saying where they're like, you know, if you're getting chased by a bear in the woods, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun uh, your, one of the other people in your, your group. Buddy, yeah, That's kind of like, I think of this with the ADP, right? It's like, we don't have to draft perfectly, right? We just have to draft better than everyone else drafting off of this, you know, ADP. I, I don't know if the analogy perfectly lines up, but it's like, yeah. we're not going to get perfection even as a collective. Right. Yeah. These are more like tiebreakers, you know, more, more structure on top of structure. Like you were saying in your builds where you need that third tight end, it makes a lot of sense for you right now to get that Broncos backup tight end, you know, maybe maybe you take Tim Patrick a couple extra picks, and a lot of times you just have to remember it. Like, oh, that's right, I want to balance this out a little bit, and it'll fall to you, and you'll notice you're not, and you're not even giving up any rounds, and you're minimizing your variance a little bit every time yeah. without without costing you any dollars. Uh, Nick says someone posted your three running back build in your best ball channel on discord from a few days ago. Can we get the thesis behind doing that? Yeah. I mean, that wasn't even one of my weird ones. I didn't think, I mean, that team, I started Dalvin cook, Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. So just mm -hmm. a hyper fragile build. And normally in my hyper fragile, I'll go for running backs, but again, kind of thinking about a specific draft window right now where I do think Kamara as a late third round pick is mispriced. I don't think he's going to be suspended this season. I think his ADP is going to end up at like worst in the mid second. And so this was one being like, if so generally with hyper fragile, you'll do four running backs. But if I told you, you could get three top 15 picks ADP wise on the same team, you might not feel the need to have that fourth running back because you just got gifted basically an, an extra pick. So I pushed it with that draft. And uh, again, a couple things went a little weird with that draft, but yeah, the three running back thing, um, that's a, a unique spot there where I think Camara's mispriced and that's about to change. And I kind of want to take advantage of that if I'm right in that scenario. He's another one too, Camara, that you should definitely be balancing. It kind of sucks because it seems like I don't think there's like a real for sure handcuff for him, like Ingram probably, but it's, and also too, like I would look at it in, um, uh, kind of like okay, there's a there's a less I think there's less risk. Kamara's going to get suspended. This is you talking. Yeah. So I don't need to balance as much, but you still probably should. But then if there's no obvious handcuff, then you probably want to just do it just a little bit. Like, well, definitely what do you think about? It. 
waiting to balance. It's like you grab Kamara while you think he's mispriced. It comes out mm-hmm. he's not going to be suspended or whatever. He jumps up in it, and then you start thinking about, okay, now I balance because I'm no longer drafting him at his new price because I packed my bags. But now yeah. I can circle back and leverage because now not only the market's gotten more confident on him, yeah. his backup is probably actually you get a handcuff for free now. That's right. Exactly. You got you got to, towards the end of the season. I would. That's a really good strategy. I would, like if I have like somehow I end up with. 38% Kamara right now, I'd probably just eh, I'll take some Ingrams at the end of the draft or yeah. somebody. I don't know. Is there another guy who's more obvious to, to be there? I mean, they're they're trying out like USFL and XFL running backs right now. So like I don't, I don't know what who else is gonna be there. But yeah, Ingram's the main guy right now. Yeah, like this is this is another horrible example example, but like Deshaun uh Foster, and then like maybe when Baker was still on the team, like if for some reason you were drafting a lot of uh, oh, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Foster. I keep saying like football players from the early 2000s. Okay. The uh, um, the 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 Cleveland quarterback. If you if you for some reason had a bunch of him, I know no one did. But if you had a whole bunch of him, and uh, you could take theoretically taking like Baker to fill in. Like I know that's not realistic, but something like that. If that exists out there, like I'm sure guys can think of balancing opportunities. Yeah. Who, who really are into this stuff. Yeah. Um, we need to wrap this up. Best ball moderate. Uh, I've written a lot about it in the fantasy life newsletter. I also recommend checking out the drew Davenport threads on the issue. Uh, the trial, um, the league is going to wait until they have the information from the trial to levy the suspension. So if the trial continues to get kicked down the road, um, it's going to be just basically impossible for them to whip up a suspension on the tail end of this year is basically the analysis. So it seems likely he's going to get suspended ultimately, but it seems very unlikely he's going to get suspended uh, this year. Um, Brian, I got to run because I got to get ready for a flight. Um, Obviously we've been talking about the sports HUD, AKA the brick draft caddy uh, here for your underdog drafts, your drafters drafts. Um, I have the link down below and I also recommend it was like two weeks ago. We've done a few videos on it. Two weeks ago, we did a tutorial at the start of that show um, to kind of walk you through how to set it up. And so if you had kind of questions about that and Brick is uh, very responsive in both his discord and mine, you can feel free to tag him in the Lulz channel within the deposit kingdom discord. If you have questions, anything else I'm, I'm forgetting on that one, Brian. No, that should work. I'm going to have i uh, I'll, I'm going to do a little PGA CSV for guys who want to play best ball PGA today. Nice. I'll put it in my, my discord. If anyone wants it, um, uh, the NBA, they just released their NBA season long best ball, uh, 50k to first, I think it is. Yeah, so it works on there. If you know a lot about NBA, you can make your own rankings or projections or whatever. Or if someone has uh, a site that that's like pretty good, I could put it on there too. Uh, so DM me if you know anything. Uh, yeah, I did PGA I, I, ownership too on my oh, site. Nice. I want it for tomorrow's 3M. Sweet. Um, yeah, the uh, NBA best ball, I'm going to have to get in those streets so I can do a video that says weeks 21 through 22 are all that matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't even think about that. I know, I know. I read it and, and Hayden and those guys were talking about it a little on Twitter the other day. Um, I little programming note, I am going to be traveling. Um, so usual shows, I bumped uh, Randomizer up to last night, which by the way, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Joey Molinaro, just a very funny comedian and impressionist. The, one of the funnest shows I've done with him last night. Check that out. If not, um, Spags, I think, is going rogue for double solo splash plays uh, this week. Ship Chasing is having uh, Dalton Cates on tonight without me. So some your usual programming, but I will not be back until uh, until Monday morning, Brian. All right. I, I won't be back till next Wednesday. So Okay. There you go. All right. We Good will play. see you guys later. Appreciate you hanging out. Get the, uh, the Brick Draft Caddy. Start managing your exposures. We'll see you next time.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.